Hello and welcome to another episode of Dangerous Dame. I can't believe we're on episode 11, I believe. Um, yeah, so this is where we talk about all the super dangerous things that the mainstream media doesn't want us to talk about. And today's episode is at no exception for sure. I don't think you're going to hear about this on the mainstream media because we're going to be talking about what looks to me kind of like a counter intel pro version of Operation Mockingbird uh, or some kind of variant of the sort. And uh, we have a dangerous dude with us today. But first, of course, joining me, as always, is my very, very dangerous co-host, Dr. Lee Merritt. Hey, thank you. Good yeah. afternoon. Good yeah, afternoon. We, we, we have a, a great topic. But yeah, the dangerous, our dangerous dude guest today is Scott Kesterson from Bards FM. And one of the things we're going to talk about today is how, uh, in, how, how good, effective organizations seem to be getting infiltrated and then destroyed from within, kind of yes. eaten out like rot, or in some cases taken down directly. And he has personal experience with that. He's He's got a very interesting background in a lot of different areas that relate to the war that we're in. But right. this one is one that when I first heard about, for example, what was happening to AFLDS, uh, the Americans Frontline Doctors, yeah. and regardless of where you stand on that, I'm going to say I've never heard uh, Simone Gold say anything that wasn't in the interest of patient care. So not not saying that weren't mistakes weren't made, but I've listened to the other side of the story and it's not what you're getting in the mainstream media. But when I heard the, the story as it was presented, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've heard that story. This happened to Scott right. Kesterson. So right. <laughs> episode 64 on his podcast. So uh, anyway, okay. glad he's joining us today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, uh, welcome, Scott. Well, hey, how are you? Nice to be here. Thank you very much yeah. for having me. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we've seen, um, well, the, some of the things that we're talking about, and I and I have to say, I kind of uh, agree and disagree with the way that controlled opposition, that term is being used, because I see mm -hmm. controlled opposition. They're the people like the Lenin and Stalin called the useful idiots. Now, mm -hmm. you've had more military uh, intel, you know, background. So I'll leave it to you. But to me, controlled opposition are the guys like the college students that are weaponized to get involved in this in this global uh, climate change nonsense. They don't really know necessarily they're being used. They're not being paid by anybody, but they're the useful idiots. Now, what I see happening is really military type counterintelligence, where you're actually positioning people within organizations to then take them down. What do you think? I do agree with this. I think that what we're dealing with right now is a level of sophistication of government infiltration. Yeah. It's literally nothing like we've ever imagined. This is literally Stasi on steroids because mm -hmm. they don't have to use threat and force. Um, what they literally do is they just, they just allow people to, like you say, join these groups. They're, they're dedicated to infiltrating. Uh, they have resources. They've already done profiling of people within the organization. They can find out a lot of per personal profiling to know how to connect with them. They're conditioned and trained and they're getting inside these organizations to penetrate deeply and then to cause mass disruption and, and break them. And that's um, this to me, when we talk about controlled opposition, I think there's two types. I think there's, there's probably more than two, but in general broad stroke terms, there's, there's two types. There is the ones that, as you say, are the useful idiots. And those are the ones that you, you, you nurture, you build up a bit as an asset and then you puppeteer them. And yep. you get them launched. And it, when I say that, um, it's not hard to do, especially in like university environments. All you need is an agitator and you right. need a cause, right? So yeah. we're going to save the world because of something, right? Suddenly we find some new 
I don't know, genetic strain to something in, in some food line and suddenly everybody wants to stop eating meat, you know, that sort of stuff that you drive that, that circus in one direction and you're already positioned to profit on the other. So that's kind of one method. Right. Um, and that, and meat's a good one because all they've had to do is get people fanned up about the, the, the horrors of, of raising beef, mm -hmm. right? They never, no one ever, they don't have a clue how beef is raised. They just show them the, the wicked pictures of all these animals supposedly being tortured uh, PETA comes in in his full force and starts talking about how we can't use leather products, but it's, you know, we want to be environmental. So let's use plastics instead, smart <laughs> and, you know, and, and plastic recycled fibers. And let's, let's put that on your body. So that now you're going to draw down your health and have stuff that's going to migrate into your cells and all this other good stuff. So that's, that's all of this is a cause and effect uh, type of wag the dog where people that have lost their, their foundation of being common sense driven, and have any sort of logic base, they're all emotional, notional, they're extremely easy to manipulate. And and sadly, this generation, which is, um, you know, the millennials are, and, and Gen Z are highly, highly uh, in, in manipulative, or you can manipulate them very easily. Manipulate, manipulatable or something. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're very, you can influence them very easily. Yeah. And, and that, and that's because they, they don't, their education levels have dumbed them down sufficiently. Mm -hmm. They have been um, absorbed in a in a By very design. High, yeah, and and so the other thing about this this stuff here, right, mm -hmm. is that black mirror technology doesn't develop long term cognitive thinking. It, it's it's highly it's highly acidic into developing a very short term cycle thinking. Yes. So people get looped into the adrenaline and dopamine, which is exactly what these are intended to do. Yeah. Um, and that's and they and these cycles are so high speed that there's no long term thinking process so when they, they call suffer, it red dot syndrome yeah, yeah exactly i mean it, it's literally it is a problem right yeah. so we, we end up with people that can't see past and maybe even two or three days and really in the whole impact of what they're doing and so they're very easy to stimulate and motivate and get them involved in causes mobilizations you know we're going to have some crisis because they're emotional they're now worried about the entire world not accepting some new version of the transgender alphabet you know, the, the, whatever this is, it's very easy to do. So we end up with constant and perpetual chaos. And that's one side. The other side is a much more sophisticated um, controlled opposition. And yeah. one of the latest pieces that I it just came out on January 6th event, the J6 event, this gets into that level where you probably had closer to 500 federal agents involved in that where you have every aspect that's been scripted and done, camera angles, um, cameramen, uh, crisis actors, fake blood. Um, you have you, the whole thing is scripted so that your controlled opposition is to use that leverage to then in such of a sophisticated way that you swing a nation to hate a group of people. And that hate that group of people ultimately is going to be those that are, are were Trump supporters. But um, more importantly, to the core, that would give you a profile of a constitutionalist one who believes in the Declaration of Independence and their Christian foundation. So they, yeah. they've done that in a single stroke. It's, it takes wag the dog, the principle of the movie, and it goes to an entirely another level because we're dealing with influence media, we're dealing with social media, we're dealing with saturation in levels we've never imagined of media, camera angles that are very complete. They look organic because they're not actually staged. I mean, they're not on a stage. And so these events end up directing a nation and, and spinning it off the deep end with, which is, you know, I'll just kind of close with these comments, but I think the ultimate goal is not so much um, the 
the vision part, which is critical to divide and conquer, but it's ultimately going to the root of destroying the family. And once you destroy the family, the nation has no underpinning. It's literally, you, you, that's what everything is built on as a family structure. So I, I think that's really um, the crisis we're dealing with right now. At family and community. I'll just tell you my own experience of going out to January 6th. When I Shortly, I mean, when I went out, I went out January 5th, the day before. And that mm -hmm. night, I kept getting calls from texts from my husband, from people at home, because I was out there by myself. It's like, they're saying, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? And then I got back from the pre-rally, which was just nothing but a sunny day and a bunch of Trump bling to buy and, and literally gospel music being sung and some speechifying on, on Freedom Plaza. And I get back to the hotel and there are pictures of, it's dark now, but see, there was a, there was a, um, a curfew. So this couldn't have been us. It, there was a curfew and I purposely got my, I'd lived in DC. I purposely got my hotel outside the Beltway. So by the time I got back to the hotel now, it's starting to get dark. And I'm seeing this stuff on the TV of this rioting and throwing Molotov cocktails and all that going. And I'm going, what the hell? I mean, mm -hmm. and then all my people are, all my friends and family are calling me and saying, are you okay? And I, I thought I couldn't be surprised. I really thought in this world, I couldn't be surprised anymore. But now I realize, yeah, no, we are just completely manipulable. And, and my neighbor, then I went to a, a, a group of people on a neighbor get together and somebody was there that was one of our neighbors I'd never met. And I, and he, I don't know, we started talking about this and he, I said, well, yeah, I was there. And he he just looked at me and said, well, then you should be in jail. And I'm telling you, this is small town, Iowa. So it's, yeah. they're, they're manipulating us really in a dangerous way. Well, and unfortunately the, the general public has lost a lot of its underpinnings of common sense. I mean, let's just be real. Oh, yeah. the, the education level is pitifully low. They, once you lose, and I, I say this a lot and I, I truly mean this, our, when you look at what, where we were as a nation, in 1774, and you look at mm -hmm. where so much was being spoken about in terms of tyranny, waking people up, they were aware of the Hessians moving in, the number of troops in Boston, they had one for every two two people in Boston. Mm -hmm. And this was, oh, wow, we, were, we were dealing with an enormous amount of tyranny, and it was the churches that were speaking up. And mm -hmm. the, one of the biggest myths in this, as we get into this, is to understand that how high ed, highly educated the general public was they like to tell us that they weren't like they're dumb farm people, which is the kind of the modern way. They were very sophisticated. All one has to do is read the Federalist Papers and realize yep. that those which were which was fourth published. grade reading level, by the way, back uh, then. Yeah, right. And and today, I mean, I laugh because when I read them, I'm having to look up words, right? Mm -hmm. And I and I have a great vocabulary, but there's always stuff in there that I'm having to work on. And so this is uh, the sophistication yeah, of the reading level, the comprehension. I mean, these things were put up in broadsheets. Mm -hmm. in in the middle of the town square and people would line up and read them every day because they didn't have the paper distribute and you know i think the other part about this is what so, is so profound is that that war was exactly the same as we are now it was an information war and i think what we see as proof of this is we see how how protected and how dangerous it was to print things and yet how they protected these presses they ran them late at night they found ways to run them quietly how to mm -hmm. smuggle these things out underneath British censor. And that was the most important thing. I mean, look at Thomas Paine's book, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we, we really see a, um, a real parallel to our day at this now, in this time. It's just that we are lacking at the volume of voices, or at least the magnitude in numbers of voices like they had in the church. And I think when I mean, there's still, that's this alternate media movement, which is doing well, but it is, we are facing the same type of headwaters that they faced then.
which was a pub. There was a still a large percentage of the public that just did not want to face the truth. They just wanted to sit with their head in the stand, sand yeah. while literally the 3% fought the war and won, right? Yeah. Well, there, there's so much to address in what you just said, because you, you really hit the nail on the head. And I, I would say with the education, absolutely. And this is something I talk about all the time. You know, they literally exported the three-tier Prussian model to the United States, and it was designed to breed obedience and compliance. And they were very, very explicit about that. They did not, they did not cover that. They didn't mince words. That was the intention. And it has now right. been ramped up to like, you know, steroid level speed. Um, but they they did it to eradicate uh, eradicate any critical thinking. And when you talk about you know the masses and the uh, what we're seeing as a result of this education system and how they you know criticize those people you know our founder for just being dumb farmers, the reality is what they've done is they stripped us of critical thinking skills. And they may not have had the same types of formal education that we do in our public education system today, fortunately for them. Um, but what they did have were the foundational tools to be able to uh, think critically and to be able to creatively problem solve. And that's what people today don't have. And that is by design. And I, I so agree with you in terms of, you know, stripping the family, divide and conquer, because the family is the strongest nucleus of any kind of uh, uh, community. It, it really is the family. So if they can divide the family, then, you know, they, they, they win on so many levels because not only do they erode any kind of uh, core value system that could, uh, you know, be a bulwark against their tyrannical forces, uh, but then they also have the added bonus of being able to depopulate, um, you know, because if you don't have families, then you're likely not going to have progeny. Um, and then the one other thing I will say was when you're talking about the alternative media, we know I had opened by saying I'm seeing what looks very much like a counter Intel pro of Operation Mockingbird, because I love what I'm seeing in the alternative media. However, I am seeing what looks like military level infiltration in the alternative media. And it's so sophisticated, as you pointed out, that people are not aware at all. People think that, you know, it's like these organic kind of just voices that crop up. But if you think about how we know about Operation Mockingbird and how organized that was, but it's much cheaper and actually much easier to co-op and infiltrate alternative media. You know, they're, it, it's oh, not absolutely. Be, yeah. And I, I'm, sorry, go, go on. Yeah. No, please. Oh, I was going to say, I, I'm very much seeing that. And I, I've actually, you know, gotten some intel that that might really be actually very much happening. And I think that that's a, it's really scary because, uh, as I said, it's it's much harder to recognize because it is so scattered and people do trust it as being alternative. That's part of why it is so effective. Um, and the other thing I just wanted to say uh, in terms of the controlled opposition, I think, you know, those two types are very much what we are seeing. I think they've always had these kind of planned kind of groomed mm -hmm. assets. You know, we read throughout history. We look at the CIA declassified documents. We've seen this throughout history. Um, but I think that now the technology is so sophisticated that they're really able to, they're so much more uh, effective. They've also been able to groom the landscape of the masses much more effectively to make it right for it to be successful. Um, but the analogy that I use, because oftentimes you know, even the useful idiots end up getting co-opted. And I, I think Lee, you've heard me use this analogy, but I talk about like if you're climbing up uh, a really tall skyscraper, 
you know, you've got harness on you. And when you're at the bottom, you have much latitude. You know, you can move laterally, you can go up and down a few steps. You can even unbuckle the harness and just escape. But when you get to the close to the top of the skyscraper, that pulley system gets really tight. And I think that's what we see a lot of times with whether it be big person personalities that reach a high profile or businesses that get, you know, co-opted, but oftentimes it's the bigger the profile, you know, sometimes it's useful idiots who start out and they just get co-opted and those pulley systems get really tight. And then other times I think they actually get picked up and groomed and they, they're wittingly a part of the system embedding a specific agenda. Um, but then of course there are the actual like plants who are but they're often too part of the system, you know, part of a system. Like I just did a show on Henry Kissinger yesterday, and you know, Harvard was like a breeding ground to groom right. these people. Yeah. So, but you sorry. know, it's not just it's not just that they are useful idiots that kind of climb up the pyramid and then are kind of constricted. They're being people are being um, of captured, and I think we're yeah. seeing that a lot. Especially, I mean, we're seeing it in the freedom medical movement too, oh, where yeah. people that people say, "Why doesn't so and so speak out? Why don't? Why aren't they saying this?" Why? And the answer, I think, is because they've been captured. They're now working for a group. They got bailed out of some financial difficulty. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, I think this is what happened to my friend Rashid Buttar. But he was an honorable, good guy, and he's decided to stand up and fight, and he's no longer with us. You know, I'm just, I can't prove that. I just, that's my observation. And that, 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 that well, I think, Dr. America, I think that's a big thing right, right there. I think what we tend to do is we, we tend to hesitate to draw those conclusions because we're going to be inflamed by the accusation of conspiratory. Yeah. Or conspiracy well, theories. Don't worry me anymore. <laughs> yeah, right, we're, no. we're not afraid of that. No, I'm, yeah, I'm not, yeah. and I'm not putting it on you. I'm just saying people in general, because you want to look at Butar, like, oh, the guy died. No, he's, he was probably assassinated. Yeah. I think it's probably pretty clear. And I think we have to start being that bold to throw that out there and say these things, even though, and we can say probably, likely, we can yet those qualifiers. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, this is a very dangerous world. And truth is a very dangerous weapon. And the fact is that they are leveraging the perceptions of truth to gain power. And this is truly the revolution that they're waging. I mean, I, yeah. I'm having a, I, and the more research that we do on Gen 6 and the more research that we do on this elite and the oligarchs, and I know, you know, these are one things that I just keep saying to people. It's we have to step back from all politicians right now, because in one way or another, wherever they are, including Trump, there has been highly, they have been highly compromised Yep. because you're still alive. That's basically it. So the fundamental issue right now is we, the people are going to have to start really looking at breaking, creating literally our own version of a continental Congress, which is a breakaway government and start over because this government is corrupted. It is corrupted beyond repair, in my opinion. I don't think you can fix this. And I think when we look no. at January 6th and the depth of it and realize how many people, it's not just the agents, to your point, it's not just those that are designing the programs. It's those that are becoming, which we would loosely call willful idiots, but willfully participant in something they know is morally wrong. Yep. And what's what are the binding agents to that? It's typically things like job security, it's my pension, it's my yep. mortgage that I have to pay. It's a whole variety of things that I don't want to take a chance of losing this job. So I'll go ahead and break every rule I've ever sworn an oath to in order to preserve my monthly check. And unfortunately, uh, this has become pervasive across most of our government, in particular where it shows up is the border. Right. Or they're or they're or they're actually a member of the satanic Moloch worshiping cabal. Absolutely, I think 100%. we can't we can't not say that anymore. There are people yeah. out there that worship Moloch and sacrifice children, and if they don't do it at the high levels, they do it at the low levels. They're proud yeah. because they Hollywood is the perfect example. They're they get power, they get fame, they get all the cool trappings of 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 uh, you know just everyday 
you know, being a big shot life by right. by going along with this, even if they are not real believers. So I, I think we can't leave that out of this equation because I think it captures a lot of people. I, I think well, we have to include it. Absolutely. Yeah. I would just add, uh, they just released that episode of Cosmo where they uh, full out yes. talked about the satanic ritual of abortion. I've been how saying to. this for what? It's, isn't it a how to? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a how to. It's the simple act of ins inside your home of how you can take your abortion pill and do a satanic ritual of abortion. Yeah, yeah. I've been saying this. So, uh, I, I, Scott, you probably don't know this, but uh, my birth story is very much centered around this. So it's very personal for me. My parents actually sued for my birth because the alternative would have been abortion. So it's called the wrongful birth case. And, uh, you know, I, I've had lots of people say, you know, in cases of disabilities that children should be aborted. And, of course, uh, I understand not every case, you know, turns out as I was very fortunate. I understand that. But I'm like, that's literally the argument the eugenicists made. <laughs> um, that was one of their primary arguments. And it, it is uh, literally just a false compassion trap, in my opinion, uh, to, you know, be able to carry out these uh, satanic rituals. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it was shocking on on Planned Parenthood what actually was happening. I mean, I as a as a libertarian, you know, used to be a capital L libertarian. Now I'm just a small L libertarian. But um, I, I used to people would ask about abortion, and I used to say, "Listen, I am not pro-abortion. Don't get me wrong here, but I'm really anti-government. And I'm going to tell you, when you ask the government to get involved in your moral issues, you're not going to go better. You're going to go worse." Oh, and, I agree yeah. with that. And I just don't want the Stasi involved in this decision. This needs to be, we were, we are winning. We were, we, I don't know how we were doing now, but we were winning at the time, the abortion issue, because we were convincing people there were alternatives and better ways to go. And this was not the right way to go. That's, and, and what I, I just don't know that uh, it's, it's amazing to me that we want to, to get the very, the very government that we realize is so evil. We want to get it into these issues too. We got to no. take, we got to have the government preserve life, but we also have to have the government out of our, that has to be local government. That can't be this fed thing. This is a nightmare. So, I couldn't, first of all, it's unconstitutional. It should, the, the, the federal government has no business adjudicating one way or the other in abortion. Abortion is not a federal issue. Um, but I agree with you and not just abortion. I, this is one of my pet peeves with people on the political right. It's like, they don't like something. They claim they advocate for limited government, but when they don't like something, their solution that they propose is that the government should handle it. Um, right. I know. No. I, and, but having said that, I did not realize at the time what Planned Parenthood had become. I mean, right. it's, you know, there's parts of Planned Parenthood that are just illegal. I mean, it's sure. it's it's unbelievable uh, what they were doing with human body parts. And, you know, talking about putting people into place for for doing things. Yeah. My, my look into the history of the virus scam, you mm -hmm. know, way back in the 1920s, they had this guy, John Enders. I think he's been he was one of these guys that was groomed and, and made into a figure and he may not have even done science. I have no clue, but he, Yale, Harvard, you know, research, PhD. And then he put all this out. And the only reason we believe it is because he was made, he was given a Nobel laureate. It's a perfect person. You know, it's a, it's a perfect story about what we're talking about. Uh, you can, you can actually change the science we believe by putting people in place, pushing them forward with a narrative, just like they do. Yeah, there he is. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you one aspect of this that makes me realize, think that he's a false plant. 
he cl- they claim, first of all, he was a Key and Scroll Society member at Yale, which is the big dog group secret society, not the, the Skull and Bones. That's lesser guys like George Bush Jr. But this guy, he was a multimillionaire and as a young man, and he, he went to Yale and he was a member of the Key and Scroll Society. But when he got his PhD in Harvard in 1930, his PhD, which is not put down in most places, but I found it, it claims to be in immunology and bacteriology. And I said, wait a minute, I don't even remember PhDs in immunology when I was in medical school until just then. That was kind of a new thing. I said, wait a minute, let me go back. And I discovered from the Harvard and uh, is that that it was first in 1974 were the first immunology PhDs. That's when they got the, the ability to grant a PhD in immunology. So what does this tell you about this guy? And what does it tell you about this? The narrative they created, they just blatantly both placed lied and expected well, that's us all what I'm to saying. They infiltrated science in general by putting these people in place. Oh, they also say that he took off. You'll like this one, Scott. They t- he took off 1917. He left Yale temporarily to, to join the war effort, the First World War. And he was a, an, a pilot in the Air Force of the rank of ensign. <laughs> I just started laughing. I said, and that is... Now, I can understand somebody on the radio making that mistake because they don't know about ranks in the military services, but this was on his Nobel laureate biography, okay? No, there are no ensigns in the Air Force. So again, it looks like somebody with a made-up background that's been put into this position to do all this stuff. Children's Hospital Boston, they're a pretty corrupt facility too. They have an interesting history. It wouldn't surprise me on any of this. I think that what we're dealing with, again, we're taking them with a magnitude of influence operations. And this is right out of the Jesuit playbook, to be honest with you. This is like the the Black Pope stuff, where we start getting into rewriting physical histories, starting to burn and erase those histories that would link things, leaving people. The interesting thing about when we start to separate histories from who we are is it leaves people literally wandering in a desert because you start to seek yeah. and you, you, you're seeking to know your origins. And we know this. And so... One of the most critical histories that they need to separate people from is the Bible, and they're doing it in high speed. So they've been doing it for years, but now it's a it's a vicious attack to try to separate that. And that's one of the reasons as well that they go after the children so hard after they remove the scriptures from school. Because once they can break those ties, which is ultimately trying to take break their ties as well to the parents, then they can reprogram the subjects as as ownership or principles of the state. That's a yeah. that's a communist deal. So I don't think there's any question of the magnitude of what we're dealing with here. I think that, um, unfortunately, the there's too much willingness in this particular country of people wanting to be complacent and wanting to believe that everything's going to be okay, that you're going to be able to vote your way out of this paper bag, and it's just not going to work. I mean, this yeah. is it's going to take a different type of level of action and a different level of commitment than we currently have, and it's it's a very dangerous time. So, yeah. You you pointed out the uh, parallels to 1776, and uh, mm-hmm. you know I recently reread the Declaration of Independence, and I think they used the word usurpations like over 30 times. Yes, and all I could think was, uh, it's like infinite now, and nobody's trying to redress grievances. You know, right. well, and I I think it's important about the Declaration of Independence. It also does something that no other country has, yeah. and then it gives us not only the right. This is the key word: the duty. Yes. To yeah. throw off such forms of government that become tyrannical. So we are we've crossed that Rubicon whether this government supports us. I mean, there's no longer yeah, we've had the right all along, but we're now into the function of duty. And the real question is what are we going to do about it? Because there's only so, so many things 
small handful of people can do, you need the people. But at the same time, if we don't do them, the people won't follow. There's still right. too many people that are locked deep within the cloud. And then you add on to this layer, which I'm going to just go touch back to Dr. Meredith. So I think it's really important. The satanic ritual abuse and the satanic worship that is that develops a real form of power. I just need to say this. And for people that doubt that and try to tell me, I love this because I get this a lot from Christian community. God wins. God does this. It's like, uh-huh, he does. But that doesn't mean you're going to be part of the victory either. I mean, this is a real issue here is that we are dealing with, if you don't, if you doubt how much power these people can create through the sacrifice of kids, look around and see who's in power right now. Because right. it's not it's not us. And we need to be, and we can overcome it. But it's a we have to change our focus to how we fight this war and literally where we take this fight because it's not going to be in the streets. It's going to be informational. It's going to be spiritual. And I would say spiritual at this point, primarily an informational second. I, I was pretty impressed that you, at the last Bards Fest, you had witches casting spells on you in the middle oh, of yeah. the night. No, yeah, that was did. pretty creepy. You want to say yeah, anything was, about that? Yeah, I mean, we, we discovered there was a in that one county over is like one of the big, what's that? And it was in Kentucky, right? Right, in Kentucky. Oh. So one, one county over was the biggest witch's coven in the entire state. I mean, people don't understand that the, the witch's coven issue is very real, and, it, and yeah. it, it bleeds into many different areas. So a lot of this New Age garbage is based on this sort of satanic belief system. Yep. And what they do, they believe in the sacrifice of things. They believe in their sexual practices are a big part of it and what they do. You, you have... Um, the cursing and casting is a big thing. One of the big ones, and, and Dr. Mary, you and I have talked about this at length, is spell is word casting or spell casting. Yeah. Just by getting you to say it. So if you can get you to say something and then you can start breathing life into it, keeping in mind that we have the power of life and death in our words. And when they can get us to say things, the classic one that I like to use is literally like a doctor comes in and says, you have six months to live. And the minute you start to repeat that, you've now spell casted yourself into death. You're not speaking life over your life. So they, there was a lot of that going on at Bars Fest. There was um, had some people hanging around. They were definitely part of you know, some of the old Celtic belief systems, which people don't can roll your eye at. That's there's some darkness in there, especially in there in the in those areas. There is sacrifice in that again, blood sacrifice, all these places. So we had quite a bit of that going on, more than we liked, and uh, I, I think there was an actually a real effect on it too. To very honest with you, I've seen it. We've talked a lot about it, and unfortunately. Um, Bars Fest was kind of two things. It was it was an enormously anointed and powerful event where we saw the power of, of miracle healings. So to be clear about that, one of the symbols of that whole festival, which I, I thought was fantastic, and if you go to bardsfest.com, which is our new our website for all this, we have bardsnation.com and bardsfest.com. Bardsfest.com is where you'll find all the, the, the catalog and histories of these Bards events, but you'll find a picture from Flemingsburg of a wheelchair sitting left behind because the woman that came in walked out. Okay. She came in in a wheelchair, crippled. She walked out. We had a guy wow. in two canes that he was walking, had not walked without two canes for years. Within an hour of being preyed on, he left his canes behind, took off his compression socks. And, and that was on Thursday, Friday. And then on Sunday, or maybe it was Thursday, but on Sunday, then he cr climbed into the baptismal pool himself without any assistance. So we're seeing some levels of things going on there, which is truly how God wants to run this world, in my opinion. But I will tell you, quite frankly, that this other side has everything knitted up so that people believe in the institutions and believe in the things that are around us 
so much so that they can't realize that the reality that we're manifesting is coming from the wars that we're fighting or losing in the spirit. And I think this is an extremely important perspective for people to start getting their head around because the enemy's not sleeping and the enemy's not stopping. Let's be clear. They are, they're continuing to wage war against us in a profound way. And it's, we're pretty easy targets at this point to a large degree because people just don't want to see, accept, or believe in a force of demonic and a force of, of nature that's out here that's significantly large. It is very aggressive. It believes in blood sacrifice. It does it for a purpose because it gains power. And if it can gain power over you, it will influence your life, whether you like it or not. It's just the way it is. Yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah. But you, you were asking earlier when we came on the show, you were asking about this thing with Dr. S uh, with Simone, right? I mean, the nonprofit. Well, right. I, I mean, I, th I see that these corporations, well, that these uh, groups like the 501c3 groups, mm -hmm. and I tell churches and I tell other people, if you're going to make an organization, don't, don't do 501, just don't get in bed with the government. That'll save you. But, yeah. but <laughs> what happened to her was, you know, she, she got, um, you know, they got a whole bunch of money to give. Suddenly they became wildly successful. You know, mm -hmm. and because people were seeing that here's a bunch of doctors and I'm one of them. We're standing up at the state capitol or at the federal capitol and at the SCOTUS and and talking against the narrative. So people started donating and suddenly there was all this money sitting around. And so then she had to, to organize better. She had to get a board. She got a board and um, and she had a lawyer. She got this lawyer. And this is what happens, I think. These lawyers and I don't know all the details, so I don't, I don't want to be. Uh, sued by their lawyer, the other side's lawyer. But basically, it seems to me that this, yeah, this, this lawyer kind of presented himself, kind of joined. And the next thing we know is that, you know, all this J6 went down. Simone was there and she was behind the barrier. There you are. Yeah, there I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or I was. Uh, yeah. The, anyway, yeah. So the she was behind uh, the barrier. So she wasn't storming the Capitol in any physical sense. But she was one of the people that they picked up. And two weeks later, she's in San Diego and they arrest her and take her into court overnight. And during that mm -hmm. period of time, now she has to make some, when she gets out, she realizes this is not going away. So she has to make some decisions and she ends up putting this lawyer, I think, on the board. And that is where then as soon as she got picked up to go to J6, for what charge? I asked her, what, what are they charging you with? Trespassing? She says, I think so. They did not give her any paperwork, which tells you this is a takedown. It's a shakedown. Yeah. This is a Stalinist-like moment. No paperwork. She's a lawyer as well as a physician. So yeah. when she leaves the, the, the courthouse or the jail in San Diego, she has no paperwork. She does not know completely what she's charged with. But six weeks later, she ends up being hauled in and taken for a federal offense, apparently. This is now she's in the jail in D.C., I guess, or wherever she was. But the point I'm saying is um, it it's... It, it just has this ring of what I heard happen to you. And it, it very conveniently, while she's incarcerated, then the minute she's incarcerated, the board goes after her through this lawyer for taking her down for uh, misappropriation of funds. And of course, there, you know, for people that have heard the story, oh, you know, they bought this huge house, she lives in this huge mansion and blah, 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 with the money from AFLDS. But I, run a, I ran a corporation for years, and I'm just going to tell you, when you have money sitting around in the bank, that's not a good use of the money. And if you're using, if you're living in a two-bedroom apartment trying to run this huge corporation and don't have offices for your people and everything, that made good financial sense. So when I heard the story, I said, okay, I get it now. 
Yeah, and, I mean, I, I can fill in some blanks here, which I think are pretty important. Um, yeah. Number one, do you underline what you're saying? Stay away from any 501c3 organization. It's completely yeah. owned territory by the deep state. Mm-hmm. They've made the rules. You don't have to do much to break the rules. In fact, you don't have to do anything at all because they can just use what you do. So in my case, I started a, what I thought was, I started a nonprofit for a cancer patient that was my business partner. She had just contracted lymphoma or lymphoma cancer. And, um, and so I, as we were fundraising, the, I've discovered as we were going through this that my accountant had said that it was set up. Well, it wasn't as a 501c3. It was just set up as a nonprofit, which is very different because you don't get the actual tax deduction. And we had taken in a, a little bit under 10000 um, They claim it was over whatever. We'll just call it $10,000, which happens to be a breaking point for being, charges being moved from misdemeanor to felony. Just so I say it, it's very important to get that. And so in this process, um, I put a stop to all of this and um, we held back the money for distribution while I had the 501c3 retooled and had it done properly. I hired a firm out of St. Louis, very good legal firm. And the process took about 18 months, roughly. And then, and I made some mistakes. I'm not gonna, I mean, honestly, the way I always say this, what I should have done is just handed all the money back, said, here you go, and give it to the family direct. But I'm trying to do the right thing, right? And I'm trying to build this nonprofit up at the same time. Too many things going on. Well, as this moves forward and we finally get it retooled, there is an accusation made. We've talked to the spouse. The spouse is emotional and he's not accepting the fact that we we have not released the money. He's thinking I'm stealing it, which we did not. And here's the even greater part. When they... And we'll get to the arrest very briefly. I'm not going to get into all that detail because that's episode 64 for people that want to see it. Just yeah. type in my name. But you need to talk about it a little bit because it doesn't, ju- nothing here you said justifies what happened to you. Right. I mean, so, so far, I mean, we're, we're going down this pathway and, and, and there's some conflict. He is angry, claiming things. He goes to the state attorney and files against me, says that, you know, we're stealing money. We're telling him we're not. At the end of the day, the prosecution puts together a case packet for me and uses all of your public documents, which come from the nonprofit. And the most stunning thing is, is when you end up being charged for something you didn't do and you're looking at your own tax return. I mean, this is how it gets. Okay. So my point of this is, this is a slippery slope. And I would just, I always tell people, stay out of nonprofits. I People are telling me lately, like, oh, we're doing a nonprofit. I'm like, get away from it. Because you don't understand that they, you don't own that terrain. They do. And they can do anything and make any accusation they want against you. And it's going to be on you to, is a burden of this to have to have the burden of proof because it is a guilty before, is a guilty first, innocent second model. I had a, a friend who had this exact thing, he had a business partner, exact thing happened to her. Now, let, let's add a little political spice to this because I think it's important. At the time, I was running a program called, I, first off, when this really got amped up, I mean, somewhere in there, I was, I had been, I went after um, Hillary Clinton with a, a super PAC. That's important to understand. That was Kilroy Rising. And we were very successful with what we did. We generated 3,000 local votes that no one was tracking, which was very significant in the Rust Belt states at the time. And this puts you on the ridgeline, I'm just oh. saying. Originally, it wasn't about the other. Right. I mean, you've got bat signal hanging above you here right right now, you know? And so then I do this next series, which is called the American brand. And I'm going town by town, the little towns and looking at all of the loss of traditional industry. 
and how these, what was America is being ripped away. And I arrive at a point, you know, I'm hearing that, you know, there's this thing is, they're pushing harder on this right now. And um, where I'm at, where I've arrived at is a point where I launch it. And this is in, I'm in Montana. I'm doing what I, what I refer to loosely as planes, trains, automobiles. I'm literally like driving and I'm ready to do a bike ride out of Montana to go across the country. And I'm telling these local stories and I'm in a, in a Marriott in Billings and I've put up a story that says we're going to war and I map out in detail a lot of what we do today, which is I could see where we needed to do this. We needed to start mapping out every county commission in this, in this country to know who's funding them, what do they stand for, yes. and what are their policies. It's pretty simple. Right. Yeah. And I was going to do this in an open source model, and we were developing that open source capability. Mm-hmm. That video went viral. And we already had, like, in, in a weekend, which if you think about even in today's time, where we have a lot of people engaged, I had 2,500 people volunteer in 48 hours to wow. help break this up regionally and make this happen. It was major success. One week later to the day, I'm, I'm back in that hotel. I've been riding around. I get a knock at the door. I open the door, and there is a U.S. Marshal. And he says, are you Scott Kesterson? I said, yes. He said, I have a warrant for your arrest. And then he looks at me, and he says, I've read your file. I need you to work with me. Something's not right, but I'm just the messenger. And, and I always say, like, you have your Jason Bourne moment. At least you like to think you do, right? You know, it's like, okay, do I, do I grab my gun and go do the heroic thing, dive out a window or something, you know? It's, it's just, you have to have your little fantasy for the moment. Um, reality is, is that he took care of me as much as he could. Um, they rounded me up, all my stuff up. They put it in, in impound. They brought me to jail. He brought me to the jail. I was put in jail for 20 days and didn't receive my charges until the end of the 20th day. And, but the media knew my charges on day four and they blasted them in 30 articles in a period of one hour across this nation. Now, you, if you understand anything about media operations, you will understand that that level of coordination from one newspaper to the next is not accidental. This is a coordinated hit. Right. And it's done for the very specific thing of defaming you and destroying your character so you can no longer operate with credibility in the environment. That is influence operations at its best right there. It's a lethal, they're trying to make a lethal blow, which by the way, they failed. Thank you very much. I'm back. You can throw me in jail again and I'll still win. You know, I really don't care anymore. I mean, this is how I am anymore. I'm like, she did it to me once burned once. I don't get burned twice. Right. Yeah. Um, at the end of the 20 days, I find my charges that they're accusing me of embezzling money and cybercrime is what they've charged me with two felonies. And, um, And then they tell me how much I owe and have to pay and all this other stuff. I'm like, okay. So at the chart, when the charges were issued, I was in Denver. I've been transferred down to Denver, which was another circus leaving. It really is. I mean, this thing is so goofball. And, but here's the reality is when you start to get in jail and you realize how broken that system is, you start to prepare yourself to be in there for an infinite period of time, because if they stick you in there, they can keep you there for as long as they want. Thank you. Patriot act. Right. And other insidious mm-hmm. forms of judicial destruction that we have in this nation. Yeah. Um, so I'm preparing for that. I get transferred to Denver. I have my hearing. I'm, I'm literally, they release me at midnight, throw you out. Of, I'm not exaggerating either. Like you get your clothes, you get your, whatever you have, which fortunately I had my cell phone and a charger and you're kicked out a door and you're dropped basically on the street and they're like, see ya. And by the way, your record date is 48 hours later. So um, this is how they operate. 
okay, this is how, this is all about a process of trying to break you and, and make you comply. Mm-hmm. I went through this, this thing cost me everything in the process. I mean, and I don't, I have no regrets on it. It was probably one of the greatest moments of my life for so many learned reasons. learned a lot. Oh yeah. And I gained my relationship with, with God the way no one I've never imagined, which is incredible in itself. So I'm very, very happy with that. And you know, Simone Gold, when they dumped her out from the first arrest in in San Diego, they didn't give her her cell phone, nothing. She, they, they took all her computers, all everything out of her house and they took her cell phone. She had to literally borrow a phone from somebody in the court that was kind enough to let her use it to call an Uber and then convert it to her account in the Uber. It's that crazy. I mean, that's, we don't think things like this happen in America, but they do. The system, you know, well, here's, here's, you kind of get to that next, you know, like when you get to the plea deal, which I think is important to talk about because people don't realize. And I think Simone went through something very similar. I I haven't talked to her directly, but I've read her story, but I've heard enough of these stories and it's always the same thing. They're accusing you of embezzling money. Why do you do that? Because the, the moral compass in America is so broken and their right. ability to use common sense to it to do research is so destroyed that whatever the media feeds them, they go like Pavlov's dog to suck from the food dish, and they drink it and eat it, and they and and they have no idea what they've done. I mean, there's there's no and so what's would say if, as a nation, and I'm going to go back to this where we were originally as a Christian nation when people were this way, there was a an attitude of. Looking at this, if there was a crime, they wanted to know the truth. This is really the way things were. And there was much more attitude like do the do the deed, whatever it is, find out the truth, forgive, and let's move on because we have to stay together. Now it's all this divide stuff. And people are very, very quick at judging. And they love to use social media to leverage it. I went through so you get and I, I can feel for her because I went through the same thing. You get so much garbage just thrown at you, so many emails, so many texts. Certain points you just shut off, and you're like, "I'm done." Or, you know, you just because people are like, "You did this," and it's like, "I didn't do anything." You know, yeah, like, <laughs> but but it says so. It's in the headlines. And it's like okay, um, and they said we went to the moon too, but that's okay. You know, I mean, <laughs> we have viruses, right? You know, <laughs> exactly. That, like, and, and they said the shot was going to be healthy for you, so yeah, you try yeah, that one too, right? So it, it's it was really amazing. And we, when I sat down and did the plea bargain, it was the plea deal that was presented, and. They literally had me sign something that was a lie. And I told my attorney, I said, I can't do this. He said, well, here's your choice. You either sign this, which admits to a crime you didn't do, or what you do is you, they'll give you a, this is the great part. We never get speedy trials until they want to ruin you. He said, then they'll give you a speedy trial. You have 30 days to prepare a case, in which case the, 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 uh, Prosecuting attorney has said, if you cannot get all charges removed, and this is critical, all, that means both, oh. to zero, you will serve a minimum of six months for each charge in jail, which is a year of your life. And I'm like, well, okay, um, guess what? I'm signing it. Nothing else I can say, right? You sign it. And and that, fortunately, they put me on, an, on a, um, they call it extended probation or something like that, which is, that's a whole, this whole case is so weird. It just shows you how, how, how this thing was a setup. Literally sat in front of the judge and she's like, okay, well, Mr. Kesterson, you can go. And I said, uh, I have a question. I'm not from this state and your rules, I've read your rules. It says I have to have special authorization to be able to leave this state. And she looks over at the DA and he goes, oh, there's no restrictions. You, don't, you can just go anywhere you want in the country. Just return back when you have your case. I'm like, that's not even in your rules. 
And so this is this is the sort of nonsense we're going with. And the final thing is, and in fairness to how the system works, and I'm always blessed with this story because God really did look out for me in so many ways. And it wasn't bad in the end; it just seemed horrible in the, in the, during the process. But I walked in on the final event, and I see the same district attorney when I'm coming there for it's two years later. And this was going to be when I left. I literally said to my parents, "I don't know if I'm coming back because I don't know what's going to happen here. So be prepared; they might throw me in jail again. Who knows?" Wow. I walked in and I I saw him and. He says, oh, yeah, I said, did you remember me? I introduced myself. He looks at me and he says, have you got any more trouble? I said, I said, always respectfully, I said, I had a top secret clearance coming in here two years ago. And he goes, don't worry, we'll get that back for you. True words. And uh, stops me on the back. He says, glad you made it. And the next, the series of events went like, I get up at the stand. The prosecuting attorney says that, you know, the accused or whatever they say, and the judge corrects them and says, you mean Mr. Kesterson? It's like, yes, Mr. Kesterson, we want all charges dismissed in case sealed. Judge looks at me, do you have $80 in your pocket? I said, yes, go downstairs immediately right now. Take the take this down there, the, the case number, they will seal your case, bring the receipt back up to me, come past me in the court, Wave. I'll wave you in, we will get it sealed for you today, and it was sealed, as if it never existed, okay? So, what is the point of all of this? I think what's really important for people to understand is, is that when they want to go after you, they're going to go after you. When they want to silence you, they will do whatever they need to. If you have any idea or any sense that there's a measure of justice in this world, you're wrong. This system is broken beyond measure. And they will use these mechanisms. If you're going to be involved in a nonprofit, I'm going to tell you you're foolishly naive to be doing any of that. If anything right now, set yourself up in just a private standard business model. This is easy. It's your business or better set up in a PMA and learn how to do a private trust. Then you're, and then work as a foreign private trust in this nation. That's how you operate because it's, those are the things you need to learn how to do because this system is going to come after you one point or another, they're going to come after you and understand that when they do, they're not going to be kind. They don't care. They're not going to give you a pat on the back. And to be honest with you, and this is what I have to tell people, no one else will either, unfortunately, because those that you thought you can trust, many of them will walk away. And that's just the way it is. This is the infiltration and destruction of systems. And this is where the communities that we build have to be tight. I mean, you you know very well my position on faith. I believe they have to be God-based. I think that they have to have our, our Christ in our heart to build them. And I think we have to have that loyalty to one another as the brothers of blood of Christ to build those bridges that we can trust. But they are working to infiltrate everything. They're working to control everything. And they will take you to that, feed you to the hounds if they can without any problem. And the only thing I'm going to say to that is you will endure if you have faith, but it will, it's going to suck a little bit along the way. But you'll overcome it. And you just have to understand that it's just part of the process, but that is who they are. I mean, this is, so Simone's story, and I've read it, I'm familiar with it. I have not talked to her. I have a lot of respect for her. I know that she got framed on that. There's no question. The minute money flowed in, it's a target, a hot target too, by the Mm -hmm. way. So really is. You know what's shocking too about the, one of the most shocking things about your story is the DA. The fact that obviously he knew it was just a, 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 a jam up. He knew it was not right from the beginning, but he participated. Absolutely. And I think that a lot of this was the pressure. I mean, part of the thing I was doing at the time is I was also targeting the, the attorney general or whatever her name was, the state that I can't remember who it was because she was backed by five Soros super PACs and she was pro abortion. So, I mean, there's a lot of pieces to this puzzle when you start to look at this and yeah. 
and you know, people look at this and say, well, yes, but the case was about your your business partner. And I, you know, I always say this, I'm like, yeah, and I know her husband, I can tell you all sorts of things that wouldn't be kind to say, I'm not gonna say them. I've held my tongue on all that. I, it's just like, that, that was dysfunctional to begin with. She was a great person. She was my business partner. We did intentionally what an intent of what we thought. I did what I thought was the right thing, doing the right thing. I made some mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes, yeah. but the cost was being thrown in jail. Now, and if you think about the magnitude of that, we have pedophiles running on the streets that we can't get in jail, but they can track me down, find me literally in the middle of Montana riding a bike throw me in jail for 20 days, smear me in media for 30, 30 stories. And by the way, 30 stories twice. So it's 60 stories that went out on that whole thing. Um, <laughs> and, 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 I, and it doesn't, I mean, and just, so just to hear my heart on it, it, there is, I think sometimes I talk about it fairly intensely because I, I think people may misinterpret that as being like, man, you, you have an ax to grind. I have no ax to grind. A matter, of, a matter of fact, I'm really blessed that I had the, the entire experience because there's no other way to see the system for what it is. It's, it truly is yeah. what it is. But it's to highlight the fact for people, and my intensity is don't be foolish. Right. Stay away from 501c3s and nonprofits. They are a trap. Right. They are owned by this. They are a system that they're giving you something, which is they're giving the people that give you money the ability to get a tax benefit out of it. Do not think that you're not paying the piper on that one because somewhere along the way, they own you. And yeah. that's the part I didn't get at the time. I do get now. So. Like them not being able to find you when they, or the, them being able to find you and they can't find the pedophiles reminds me of the meme and it shows a, a, a handgun and it's wrapped in like news, like written paper. And it said, if you want to hide your, your weapons, just wrap them in Jeffrey Epstein's client list. There you go. <laughs> no, I mean, it's exactly, they find what they want to find. They can find, you know, your, your $5 that you didn't pay in your taxes, but they can't find the $3 trillion that the, 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 the military lost. You know, it's. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's exactly it. So, I mean, this is, um, as we start talking about infiltration, we kind of go back to that, which I think is very, very important. Yeah. Infiltration is real. Yeah. And we have to be aware of it. I, I think that it, it's part of the fight we're in. You had just have to roll with it. Um. You need to be thinking in terms of what you, where your public space is, where your private space is, and where your secret space is. I mean, be very honest in those three tiers. And you have to be very, these, these sort of concentric circle type thinking has to work because it has to be evident. You, you can't limit yourself to where you're not going to be infiltrated. And I, I, we're infiltrated on the platform all the time. I've got somebody you know, coming in doing something stupid. Um, then you have that sort of where's your private space, and that's more friends and family that you know you can trust most for the most part. And you can expect that even then there's going to be some infiltration because of the intercepts and all the garbage that they do. You try to limit that as much as you can. You're using you, your communication protocols are hopefully signal based or, or proton mail based just to complicate the matters a bit more right. and make it a little more difficult for them to intercept. And then you have to have some sort of inner circle that you can really trust on that when you really talk about things, it's you're not talking in the public, you're talking privately to people. And that's kind of your, your engine. And then yeah. the best way at this point in those private circles at times, you have to find a way to get together with people face to face. And, sure. and that's really where we've become, uh, I think, logically, because we can't, they want us paralyzed. And I refuse to be paralyzed. I mean, I'm, I think right. we're all here at the same place. I'm going to be out. I have a public profile. They know who I am. I don't hide what I say. I don't have a hard time saying that 
you know, we live in a tyranny and you all need to hang for what you've done in the tyranny of this nation and what you've done to these people, especially when it comes to trying to destroy our country, not only through the infiltration of migration, but through the clot shot that you've literally delivered. And whether you have signed on in that as a compliant agent or whether you have willfully been participant in that because you're too damn weak to stand up and do the right thing, you still deserve a noose. I mean, that's the bottom line on this. And, and unfortunately, we have so many people that know that they've done this that now they have become willful agents of even worse evil because they're afraid of the consequence. Right. They're doubling it's, down it's like, by hanging know, out and with if, I wish guy. people could get this one part right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, right. I, and I wish they would get this one piece right. And, and then I would just say this. The American public is an amazing public. Are we still there? We, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're all Hang it on your word. We, yeah. So the American public is an amazing public. And literally what it will do is forgive you openly and willfully if you will just speak the truth. Just come out and tell the truth of what you did and what you can bring to the fight because that's all they want to know. They want to get this country back. Quit worrying about what consequences will come to you. The problem is when you stay silent and you want to hide behind this wall of evil and tyranny that you've done, there is a consequence. Yeah. And at the end of the day, that consequence will come. You may believe you can slide past it. Maybe you think that you can live your life and get past it. We're not even at start yet. I hate to tell people this, but we haven't mm -hmm. hit it go yet. We're on warm. We're, I mean, we are pregame. Go yeah. is about ready to happen within the next year or two. And it's flooding across the border. All the conditions have been set with this clot shot. The infrastructure des destruction has been happening. The people weakening has been happening. We're about ready to hit go, go time. So this would be a nice time for those that did the wrong thing to come over and do the right thing and say, hey, we're with you. And here's what we want to do. But at the end of the day, where we sit as a public is there is an amazing rising of a strong, very faith-driven, Christ-focused movement here that is has an open heart. But I will tell you this as well. These people are on fire for justice, and they will get it. And I'll help lead them as far as I can because we have to restore this nation back to what is morally correct and quit this game that we're playing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I would add to that, you know, the all the different types of infiltration that you brought up and you had mentioned before that, you know, there's very much an information battle, you know, you said spiritual first and there's also the information battle. And I, I think that that's really one of the very big challenges that we're up against because they're they're really clever about this information game. You, you keep bringing up the border. And, right. uh, you know, right now what I see is I watch a lot of the uh, mind viruses, if you will, that they plant. And, oh, yeah. Uh, Good. They, they're very intentional operations. I would call them like, you know, literal, uh, you know, active measures of counterintelligence. And uh, they plant these you know, different mind viruses. And right now, we have now, to what call I them mind parasites. Sorry, we have yeah, to call yes, them mind yes. parasites. <laughs> we're, we're no, I like that better. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> I, a good I point. Prefer, yeah, mind yeah. parasites. But one, the, one of the ones that I'm seeing brewing right now is uh, they're getting ready for Operation Critical uh, in, uh, Immigration Theory. And uh, that's, you know, and I'm seeing that stage being set already uh, because they are trying to flood through the border. Um, and of course, you know, they're also, uh, they've, they've been doing this whole, uh, uh, immigration, uh, through Europe already, you know, and now they're setting it up, uh, with, through the universities, this whole narrative, but it, it's very much this idea that it's very similar to like, you know, uh, 
the whole CRT, critical race theory, only now it's going to be critical immigration theory. So it's to have sympathy and basically to put the immigrants' uh, rights and, you know, whatnot above uh, Americans. And it's going to be pernicious. I, I think people need to really use discernment when they're watching these different uh, mind parasites, if you will, that are being planted. That's just one example, but I'm seeing so many of them. And the thing is, they're often couched in, I call it the compassion trap. Um, so they're, you know, like you you talked about uh, abortion, for instance, or let's use the shots. Actually, that's a really great example. So the narrative last time was that, you know, if you didn't, if you didn't get the shot, you know, or if you, you saw something... Care. Yeah, you're your grandma killer, like right. Uh, so you're you're, you're a terrible person. Yeah. You don't want to be grandma killer. And now they're going after the children, right? They're they're saying that this new wave, whatever, the white lung, it affects children. So it's gonna be even more pulling on the heartstrings. Well, you don't want to be a child killer, right? But these are false compassion traps because was it compassionate to isolate grandma, you know? <laughs> like that's not compassionate was it compassionate to isolate people in the hospital where they died alone there's nothing compassionate about this there's nothing compassionate about stripping somebody of their free will so but they couch it in these and that's that's a lie but it's going to be I, I just I, I think that people need to be really aware of what's coming yeah well, I agree with you it's it, discernment it's, <laughs> well, you. And, and this is <laughs> bless you there you go um this is there is a lot of this going to happen, and so I was just down in Tucson and um, flew back. And when I got to the airport, there was about two hundred illegal aliens in a special line going through TSA. Special Throughout line. the entire airport, they're broadcasting "Do not fly with guns and knives." So I'm like, okay, well that's new because I think we kind of figured that one out a few years ago. <laughs> and it's not just a TSA station. The most important thing about this is the number of Africans that were there. Massive Ooh. numbers, and they're all fighting age males. Okay, so I, I mean, I need people to really understand that what you're seeing here are these are not the best of the best they're bringing in. Um, this is really a problematic group that is here. Most of them have the look of those that have been in pretty good violence in their lives. They have a lot of disdain for America, and they hate, they hate Americans. And the part that's probably the most disturbing for me is all of the American males were either consumed with their Black Mirror technology are sitting at the bar, and the only ones that were speaking out about it, and I was talking to them, were the women. Yeah. So this is this is a problematic issue we have here in our nation, which is weak men, and mm -hmm. men that have been ultimately weakened by a variety of things. We are not. This is not a game. Um, we are moving to a point of an infiltration by multiple countries in here. Many of these people are well trained. Yep. However, they portray themselves. And you can expect to see high levels, I would, an explosive level of chaos and violence in the coming years. Yep. This is part of the, the controlling of a nation from within and destruction of the nation within. Yep. We have choices to make. Um, those that are working on the border, they have choices to make. They're not making the right ones because they're being obedient to a set of laws that is illegal. And they're being more obedient to their retirement accounts or pensions and, their, and so forth than they are to the Constitution of the United States. And so this is the crisis we now face. And I think ultimately we're going to have to start facing what that looks like. And that's where I say we're really kind of at 1770, 1774 range. We haven't quite hit um, the, the kind of the critical point of launch of a fight, but we're getting there. And um, when it does happen, I don't think it'll be, it, it will, 
it will be pretty distinct. I'm not one that is, I, I, is, if you follow, if people follow my show, they should know that I don't advocate for violence in any way. I think that we wage this war first and foremost in the spiritual realm and in principalities way beyond our reach. But nonetheless, it's going to be a trickle down and there's going to be some effects. Yeah. People need to take this seriously. They need to understand that our country is being destroyed systematically. You have oil and gas that's heavily involved in this. Um, you have a war that's brewing in Venezuela and Guyana. And that's being driven by Exxon, Chevron, and the Chinese drilling companies. They want to get holding of some of the biggest holdings in the world right now, offshore drilling. Yeah. Uh, this, these, are the, these are the big issues. So we have a lot ahead of us as a nation to face. And the question really is, can we stay united and not divided? Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's a big one. And that's where you know, I come back to again and again, um, time to get some Jesus. Seriously, I mean, you got to get yourself anchored in in our in your in our relationship with God. Anchor yourself solidly and start working together as one, because there's no time here to be divided. Information warfare, all the way started with the infiltrations, all of these things are in divide, designed to do one thing: to divide us. Mm -hmm. And if we are divided, we are easily conquered. When we come yes. together, united in our hearts, we are not conquerable. Yep. And and that's the big ones there. So other oh, one of my favorite pictures of all time. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, that's and literally great. God does win in the end, but that's, we have to do our thing here to literally bring it all together. So, um, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a powerful moment in time. And it's one that we have to make a decision on as a nation of how we're going to stand together. And this is a, as well for parents out there that are uh, hearing this and I'm going to say it, this is not a time to play around getting, I would get your kids out of public school, get them into homeschooling. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You got to start, yeah. if your family's got division, you got to sit down and figure out the problems. You got to start building your communities around you that you can trust. And you have to get a war mentality and a war footing because when things start to fall apart, what you count on is going to fall apart. If it's a system-based thing, if you have friends, family, their blood or, or spiritual relationships that you can lean on, they'll be there. But the public right. and the public sector, it's, it's not going to take care of you before it takes care of itself. And that's an important point, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just want to. Yeah, sorry, I just want to add something because you you brought up education. And that was actually one of the things I was gonna. I'll just gloss over it really quickly, but I think it's super super important because again, with this information warfare, and you you brought up the divide and conquer, and something I talk about a lot is the Hegelian dialectic, and I think it's mm -hmm. something people don't understand nearly enough. But you know, they throw these dialectical poles, and it really is a spiral that moves towards the omega point. And for Hegel, the omega point was God equals state. And of course, what they're buying for right now is an internationalist world governing body. So that's the, the globalist state, essentially, is what they're buying for right now. But all of this to say, with uh, education, I absolutely agree. Parents should pull their kids out of school. That doesn't mean that you d you give up the battle, uh, you know, for fighting for. Uh, you know, strong education. But when they do this, they need to really look at what's going on locally because through UNESCO, which is not at all lo local, they're pushing this where they're trying to universalize education. And they're, of course, couching it in very nice terms that quote unquote conservatives want to hear things like choice and freedom. And, Correct. you know, they use all of these words that are bait for the political right, if you will, for that audience. And yeah, so here is uh, my governor. And uh, what they're doing is they're offering money. So and they're putting it under the umbrella, even for homeschoolers, where they're putting them under the category of private schooling. And they're, of course, giving them this, uh, they're dangling the carrot of money 
And I just really encourage parents. I know it's enticing. Don't take the money. Once, exactly. You got it. <laughs> once you do, the state owns your child. And that is exactly right. what they're trying to do. And I know it can be hard, but there are ways to homeschool. And the other thing I just, I don't want to take up too much time. I know you need to go, but uh, is that a lot of parents get overwhelmed. They think that homeschooling means doing school at home. It does not at all. You know, the, when you, you brought up like our founders and they're, you know, the first actual school at, education system with a headmaster teaching kids of all ages this right. idea that we have to be in this structured type of school system has been designed in order to erode children of critical thinking and to strip them of being able to follow their passions their natural gifts talents and that's what parents should be honing and uh, you know letting that guide them so um, yeah, I'll yeah. get off my, well, uh, our, you know, my grandfather that. grew up in that school that, you know, that's what, that's what country schools were up until I was in fifth grade. It was mm -hmm. one teacher, kids of all age in a single room out in the country. Mm -hmm. And yeah. my grandfather had beautiful penmanship, beautiful, you know, diction and, and grammar. He played chess. He had an eighth grade education. He started school at age 10. That's what it really was. They were the, they were the pioneers, but they were well-educated deep thinkers. And now, you know, we have all this stuff. Well, before we go, um, what, where can we find you? Uh, yeah. Where can people get a hold of you and watch your stuff? Cause I know you're on Podbean and a bunch of different things. Yeah. So yeah. As, as far as our live stream, which we do, um, within the nightmares I've been dealing with tech stuff lately, that's another long story, but well, join the club <laughs> we there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, there's a live stream on Podbean. That's the, where we have our live stream out of, but I, uh, basically, um, Bars Nation, is a MERSNation.com is a great place to get all the information. We also have a social media site there, which is community.marsnation.com. And it's um and it's really good to keep that's where everything kind of hubs out of these days. We our live stream runs off of Podbean and that's Bards F Bards.fm. And um we and then of course the the podcast, which is in normal running time, meaning that there are either I'm not traveling or we didn't have some disaster like having to replace all my computers which i did the other day oh, um no. we are the normal running time then is it's three days monday through friday three shows a day 6 a.m 6 p.m and 9 p.m wow. and then two shows on sunday so a total of um, basically wow. 17 shows a week Whoa. and um and that's and and that covers a wide gamut of information i mean obviously bards fm is a faith and knowledge-based platform heavy on faith and increasingly so as we head into this. So I um, yeah. encourage you all to join and listen. So it'd be great. Wonderful. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you've raised, you, you might have raised our danger level to another, another notch here. He's <laughs> <laughs> a really dangerous dude. So, hey, well, thank you for having me on. It's really a pleasure so much. And, and honor to work with you both. So thank you, Dr. Merritt. Always a pleasure to see you. So thank you. All right. Thanks. It was such a pleasure. Please, both of you stay on just so that we can upload. And yeah, thank you so much. This was yeah, uh, we'll see you all next week. dangerous. <laughs> and God bless. dangerous again. Bye-bye.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.